Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Talking about this subject, I'm not being formal about it. I'm letting the Holy Ghost lead me. I'm letting God lead me by His Spirit. And we're just going to talk about this some more. I think that this teaching on spirit, soul, and body is probably one of the most profound teachings in God's Word. I believe that we need to understand it. We need to know it. We need to continually confess and say within ourselves that we are spirit beings. We are not souls. We are not bodies. Our souls are subject to our spirit. The body is subject to the, to the spirit through the soul. Amen? And the very God of peace, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, entirely, completely, as a whole man. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body. Say that with me. I, have a, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. With my spirit, I contact my Father. With my soul, I contact the mental realm. With my body, I contact physical things. Spiritual things are more real than physical things or mental things. The spiritual realm is more real than the mental or the physical realm. God is in the spirit realm. We have been brought back into harmony with Him by having a recreated human spirit. The new birth is a recreation of the human spirit. The human spirit has been brought back into harmony with the Spirit of God, with God's Spirit. We've been recreated into His likeness, into His image. We have the ability and the potential to contact all that He represents in His kingdom. We have the potential to draw from all that that kingdom represents for our everyday needs in the physical and the mental realm. We said that spirituality is when the human spirit, through the renewed mind, controls the human body. Some people thought that spirituality was a message in tongues. Some people thought that spirituality was just having a manifestation of the gifts of the spirit in your, in your life. Seeing a vision, or a dream, or seeing an angel. Now all those things take place in the realm of the spirit but all those things, those things do not mean that you are a spiritual person. Spiritual growth is not determined by what things you've seen in the Spirit. But spiritual growth is determined by developing the human spirit and the forces that emanate from that spirit until those forces that come out of you and emanate from your human spirit cause your life to be a continual tri pageant of triumph, diffusing the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere you go. Hallelujah. That's what spirituality is. Amen. Until then, forces that emanate from your spirit just come right on out and just enter through that soul and just fill all your pores and then ooze out. Hallelujah. Ooze right out of your pores. Amen. So that's what spirituality is. Now, carnality, we said, is when the human body dominates or controls the spirit through the unrenewed mind. When the human body dominates or controls the spirit through the unrenewed mind. You can be born again, but not spiritual. Then this, this is something very important. I didn't say anything about this. But double-mindedness. Double-mindedness. Now see, if you understand this, you understand how not to be a double-minded person that James talked about, the man that wavers. If you understand that with the spirit, the spirit contains the nature of man. The spirit contains the nature of man. When you find out that the soul contains the emotions of man, the emotions, 
Then when you discover that the body contains the five physical senses that educate the brain. The body contains the five physical senses that educate the brain. Then you can understand what double-mindedness is. You see, double-mindedness is the results of getting God's Word into our brain through the five physical senses. It's when the five physical senses, senses educate the brain to God's Word. But that's not called faith. All that's called is mental assent or mental agreement. You see, the brain, the five physical senses, the gates, are the gates that enter into the brain to educate the brain, to teach the brain. That's where we receive all of our knowledge. But if we just get God's Word into our soul, into our minds, so to speak, and educate our brains, that doesn't mean you have a renewed mind. All that means is you have a mind that has been taught, a brain that's been taught what God's Word says. That's not enough to lead a victorious Christian life. That's double-mindedness. That's mental assent. Because, you see, your body is trying to dictate to you what it feels, what it sees, but the Word is dictating to your brain another message. Things that are contrary to what we feel. Things that are contrary. How could my child be healed if it's got a knot on its head? How could this woman be whole if she's smashed up in a car? You see? And the brain has been educated through the fine physical senses to believe that all those things are reality. And in a sense, they are physical realities, but they are not spiritual realities. God's words are spirit. And they are life. They are not mental, they are not physical. They are spirit and they are life. So a double-minded person is an individual that has educated his brain with the Word of God, but yet the Word has not entered into his heart. So consequently, the Word tells him one thing, but he says, but I feel another thing, and so he's double-minded. He's trying to agree with what the Word says and believes it mentally, but also he believes the fact that his body is dictating to him something else. He's either sick or he has problems or whatever the case might be. And so he's torn between the two. He doesn't know which way to, to go. You see, the word is not yet entered into his heart. It's not entered into his spirit. It's only in the brain. It's educated the brain. He might even have it put to memory. He can quote you the scriptures. But you see, they are not alive within him. This is only mental force. Now, we have to realize that faith, faith is the result of getting the Word of God into the human spirit through meditating and practicing the Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to quicken that Word inside your spirit. When that is quickened inside your spirit, it becomes a live, a living reality inside your spirit. It's alive within you. The actual life of God that's in that Word is put inside your human spirit. You are filled with more of the life of God when you are filled with more of God's Word. The more of God's Word I have in my spirit, not my brain, the more of God I have in me. Then, you see, the Word that's inside your spirit will renew the mind. The mind, then, will be a carrier of the force of that life, and it carries it from the spirit through the mind into the human body. And when it touches that body, the body don't know what to do. Sometimes it wants to jump up and down and shout. Say, hallelujah. Say, glory be to God. Joy unspeakable and full of the glory of God. You see, that's the results of getting God's word in your heart. That's called faith, not mental assent, not mental agreement. And most people that have, a, that have heard the faith message by the wayside, they don't have the, the slightest idea of what it means to get the word into the recreated human spirit.
They're lost when you talk about that. They have put the word to memory. They have educated their brains. They can quote to you all the books of the Bible. They can give you some chapters and verses. They can tell you what so-and-so said, what this one said, and what that one didn't say. They can tell you all about Paul's thorn in the flesh and tell you all about all the problems that they had. But they cannot tell you how to get the Word of God to work out of your human spirit. We have access to three realms. The spirit realm, the mental realm, and the physical realm. It's like having three separate rooms here. We call one room the spirit room, one room the mental room, one word the, the physical room. Well, bless God, we've got to get the spiritual realm over into the physical realm to do us any good. Just to have it inside the spirit's not enough. But you see, it's like having three separate rooms, but you have, don't have access to any of the rooms. The spirit realm cannot contact the, the, the mental realm, and the mental realm won't contact the physical realm. There are three different dimensions. And we are individuals that can contact all three of those dimensions. We can contact the spirit realm, we can contact the mental realm, we can contact the physical realm. Did you ever try grabbing your words? Can't do it. Another realm. Did you ever try grabbing your thoughts? Can't do it. It's another realm. But you can, you can give expression to your thoughts into the physical realm because we have a human body. If the spirit and the soul were to leave the body, this body wouldn't give any expression. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what, you wouldn't contact this realm anymore. That's right. But the Bible tells about a man in Luke 16, chapter, verse 19 through 31, who was a rich man, who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fair sumptuously every day. And there was another man named Lazarus. He was a beggar. He died. All he wanted was some crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked the sores and he died. And after he died, he was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. His body was left on the earth. And the rich man, he died. He was carried into hell. And being in torments, he saw Father Abraham afar off and said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus over, dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormenting this flame. body was still laying there on earth. It wasn't making any expression. It wasn't doing a thing. But his spirit and soul. See, he's spirit and soul. They're not separate. They, they aren't separable. You can separate them from the body, but you won't separate them from each other. You can divide and distinguish them by the word of God. But they were there. He was literally still alive. He was living in hell. He was living in torment. He felt it. He knew about it. He knew he had five brothers left on the earth. You see, man, once he leaves the physical realm, doesn't mean that life ceases to be. It just means he's where we can't touch him or locate him in this realm. He's gone. But his life goes on because he is an eternal spirit being. See, what the Father wants us to do, we have access to the spirit realm. There's so much glory in that realm. There's so much power in that realm. He's given us the word whereby we can put it inside our hearts, educate our minds, renew our minds, and be, let that mind be a carrier of this glorious life that's within us to bring it into this realm and give expression of the Almighty God to the people that see us. Such expression that when people walk in our presence, they get convicted of their sin because of the glory of God that shines from you. Such an expression that when Moses came down from the mountain, bless God, he, he radiated the glory and the omnipotence of God. They couldn't look upon his face because of the light that shone from his face. We can be in that kind of contact with the Heavenly Father. As, as a matter of fact, inside our spirit, we have the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living with inside of us. The glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. You've got the Holy Ghost inside you. And bless God, it's like a light bulb just getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until your face begins to glow. Hallelujah. Shine the glory of God. That's the kind of life I want to live. How about you? That's the lifestyle I, I enjoy. Letting the glory just come. Let it radiate. We're going to talk about how to get that out from the spirit into the physical realm. 
Well, here we have access to these three realms. I want to share this with you. Look at 2 Corinthians. Some things about this human spirit, and I want to give you some testimony. This little golden nuggets. We're getting so many golden nuggets that we can get down to the vein. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to... These golden nuggets that the Spirit of God is dropping into me about the human spirit, they may not be so profound, but I'll tell you what, they're so true. They are blessing me every time I hear them and, and receive them. I can listen to this same message. You say this, is, I don't know how many times I've been talking about this, but that's okay with me. I'm loving every minute of it. If it doesn't do anything for you, I know it will, but it's just making me happy. Hallelujah. Because I'm joyful inside. Second Corinthians 5th chapter, therefore, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's not talking about your body. That's talking about your spirit. Now, let's stop there just for a minute. That's talking about your spirit. Now, the Bible says you were dead, but now are ye alive. How many of you know that? You were dead is not referring to your body. You were dead in trespasses and sin. In other words, your spirit was actually dead. It had the life of death in it, if you can understand that. It had the life of death, Satan's life, in it. You were dead, but now are you alive? And if you're alive, you're in Christ. See, if you're in Christ, your spirit has been made alive. It's been made a new creation, a recreation. You are a new creature if you're in Christ. That's talking about your spirit. Okay? Let's read the rest of this. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. We have been recreated as the righteousness of God in Christ. Write this down. Righteousness is a condition of the Spirit. It's not a fruit. It is a condition. Just as your spirit was dead, but now it's alive. When you were dead, your spirit was unrighteous. Now that you've been made alive, you are righteous. It's not maybe sometimes unrighteous and sometimes I'm not. You are righteous. Your spirit is, has been made righteous. It's been recreated as the righteousness of God in Christ. Let's look at another scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. Your spirit is righteous. You are righteous. Look at verse 24, chapter 4, Ephesians 4, 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created, see you're a new creation, created in righteousness. Now look, listen to this. Which after God is created in righteousness. Boy, circle that. If that doesn't get you about six inches off your pew, I don't know what will. After God is created in righteousness. Your spirit, when you were born again, after God was created in righteousness. God did a work by imparting his righteousness into your spirit. And your spirit that was unrighteous and dead has become alive and the righteousness of God, period. You can't change that. That's your standing with God. Righteousness means to be in right standing with God. You are in right standing with God, period. 
See, your spirit has access to the Father God because it is righteous. It's a condition. You have it. That settles it. Period. Now, all, fel- all, all sin is is broken fellowship. Don't take it lightly. But broken fellowship doesn't change the fact that you are the righteousness of God. You need to get restored. Get your fellowship restored. But say this with me. I am righteous. I am a spirit. I am created righteous. Therefore, I am righteous. Now, to better emphasize that, let me say this. Are you a boy or are you a girl? Are you a woman or are you a man? If you are a man, you've been made a man, that settles it. Now you've been made righteous. If you're in Christ, you're righteous, that settles it. You're not going to get changed from being righteous, just like a man's not going to get changed from being a man or a woman from being a woman. You are the righteousness of God, period. That's a condition. Now that we've been created in righteousness... Along with that righteousness, that right standing, God imparts his divine nature. God imparts his divine nature into that human spirit. And along with that divine nature comes all the attributes of God. All the attributes of God have been imparted to the human spirit. They're in there. They're in there right now. That divine nature is love. God is love. See, the spirit contains the nature of man. Previously, you were a nature, your nature was that of wrath. A child of wrath. Who were by nature the child, children of wrath, even as others. But now you are by nature the children of God. Now, beloved, are we the sons of God? Do you see the transition? Do you see what God has done in the new birth? You are righteous. Your nature is that of love. It's the nature of God. It's in you right now. But, of course, you're a spirit. It's got to be made manifest to the flesh, to the soul. Now, because you have that love in you, and in that love springs out all the attributes, I believe the fruit of the spirit, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith. All those forces that emanate from the human spirit have got to be developed by faith. All the attributes of God are in there, and all they have to do is to be developed by faith. And once they start to be developed by faith, your faith, then all of a sudden the spirit gains the ascendancy over the body and brings the body under subjection. And once you realize how to, by faith, do that, it's automatic that the body has got to submit to the spirit. But if the devil could hoodwink me and make me not realize how to do this, give me the word I'm deceived into understanding the operation of the human spirit, then you'll just walk around as the righteousness of God in Christ with all the abilities of God in you, all the attributes of God in you, but they'll lie latent inside your human spirit and they'll never be developed and your body will control your spirit and you'll be carnal. And in order to do this, you've got to understand how to get it from that first room, the room of the spirit, into the realm of the body through the realm of the soul. This is what God once taught to each and every one of his children. This will get you into a place with God that anytime you need something, all you need to do is look up to the glory and say, Father, I thank you. But if I have to rely on somebody else's faith for the rest of my Christian life, you're not going to be in a position to be helped from God, by God. You won't know how to contact him. He's given you the recreated human spirit to contact him. Not through somebody else. That's only when you're a child. But if you get to be carnal, then forget it. That's it. You won't be able to contact the Father. 
unless you learn how to grow. Okay, now, the human spirit is unlimited. It has unlimited abilities. You're in Ephesians. Look at chapter 5. I want you to see this. Now, go back to chapter 2. I'm sorry. Verse 17. The forces of life that emanate from the human spirit can be so developed until all the fullness of God that's in Christ Jesus that's been imparted to us could actually emanate, spring out of the spirit and be expressed into this realm in such a way that it's actually the Christ life light just being made manifest through the believer. That spirit is recreated in righteousness and true holiness or holiness of truth. And those attributes of God can spring out of your spirit and cause your life to be transfigured and transformed. This new recreated human spirit gives you number one. Look at verse 17. And came pre it came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. That spirit, that recreated human spirit, now has access to the Father. Now, I want you to stop and realize this. It sounds easy and it sounds simple. It sounds like what's so big about that scripture. Well, I'll tell you what's so big about that scripture. Adam lost access to the Father. Man could not contact the Father by his spirit. But in the new creation, the spirit's been brought back into harmony with the Father God and our spirit has access to the Father. I want you to know that if you ever got on the phone to call the President of the United States of America, you'd have a hard time. You may, if you're persistent, eventually get to him. But you'll go through a lot of channels before you ever get to him. Now, I want you to hear this. Every prayer, every prayer you got answered in your Christian endeavors, every single one of them, went to the throne and was personally answered by the Father God. Everyone. You, by, it sounds so minute. When you, oh yes, he provided me $100, or he provided me a $10 bill, or yes, praise God, he healed uh, this disease. I want you to know that when you spoke, it wasn't into a phone. You think God needs wires? You didn't speak into a phone to get the president in Washington, D.C., you spoke into the universe and wireless but effective. Your words were carried right through in the name of Jesus to the throne of the living God. And the Father, when he said, call unto me and I will answer thee, heard your voice, heard your prayer request, and spoke back to you with his own voice in his word and said, be it done unto thee, as you have believed. And it came right from the throne of the living God. You contacted the Father with your voice. You had access to the Father's heart with your words. Now, if that doesn't do something for you, I don't know what would. That Spirit gives you access to the very Father heart of God. You might get excited if you finally got through to the President. I talked to the President today. My world glory be to God. I'll tell you what. 
I talked to the Father today. And He said to me, Son, I love you. And I'm working with you. And you're not in this alone. I want you to know, I've got a big old angel standing right behind you. And if I were to open up your eyes, you'd see him. And if you'd look around this congregation, you'd see horses and chariots of fire. And you would see soldiers, angelic beings, armed, ready to do battle for you. Because you serve the Most High God. Because you are an ambassador of me. Hallelujah. And at the sound of your voice, when you speak my word, they'll give give heed. And they'll do your bidding. Because did I not say that they were ministering spirits and forth and minister for them the heirs of salvation? Hallelujah. See? What does that do to your spirit? Makes it want to climb right out from that old body. Amen? Hallelujah. See, by the Spirit we have access. We have access to the realm of it. Let's come talk first of all. Let's make it real tonight that we are spirit beings. By being spirit beings, recreated spirit beings, we have access to the spiritual realm. We read through the Word of God and these devastating things happen. Philip was translocated, transported by the power of God so that after he baptized the eunuch, the eunuch saw him no more. He disappeared into the, into the air and took off. Glory be to God. And was found miles away. Elijah, when he was finally ready to lay down his mantle and give it to Elisha the prophet, was met by a whirlwind. And a horse and chariot. Glory be to God. God does things first class. Probably with a chauffeur. Hallelujah. He said, come on, Elijah. In the spirit realm, was carried out of this world. Brought into the realm of the unseen. But yet is very much seen in that realm. I see you. I see your body. I don't see you. You are a spirit. But bless God, I know you're in there. And I know that you have unlimited ability. I know that I have unlimited ability in Christ. You see, we have access to, to touch this realm. We see angels coming and going in God's Word, ministering under God's people and for God's people. But we take it so lightly thinking, well, yeah, there was an angel in them days and praise God for the angel. But you see, friends, they're all around you. We can contact them. We can actually see that realm. I saw angels. I saw my angels. I share that with you. We saw them. We're spirit beings. I tell you, it was a thrill. Sometimes I sit back and I say, Dear Father God, you, you allowed us to see our angels. What kind of responsibility does that put on me? Do you realize that every time God shows you something in the physical realm that you've got more responsibility? Every time I get in my automobile, I know that there's angels. There's an angel on that corner. There's an angel on that corner. And I can just see him looking over the window, just waving inside the thing like that. <laughs> That's what they did. I mean, you start talking about these things. My words are spirit. My words are life. We're driving up down the freeway. Going to teach a Bible study. Snowing bad. Bad snow coming down. And you know, you can't already see a foot in front of you. Just this, I mean, snowflakes, big snowflakes can't see. Just driving down the road. He said, hallelujah, my angels have charge over me. The angel of the Lord campeth around about me to protect me and deliver me and my family. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You say, well, that's, yeah, that's nice scripture. I know it's nice scripture. You better believe it's nice scripture. Hallelujah. But I'll tell you what, when you start to see and cross into that other realm, now don't get me wrong when I say this, you may get fearful. Not ugly fearful, but I mean godly fearful. Because the, my first reaction when that, when that realm, well, what happened when Peter, and, and when that, what happened when Cornelius, and then people saw an angel? They feared. 
Bible says they feared. What? Ooh, it's a shock to this realm. They're coming down from another realm, manifesting themselves in this realm, and you, you look there for a minute, wow. Now, how would you feel like, I never kill anybody in the car, but what would you feel like it's all, if all of a sudden you're going 40 mile an hour down a highway, and it's all snow-filled, you can't even, there's no tracks, no car tracks in front of you, you can hardly see about a foot in front of you, when all of a sudden two men appear, one on the first, this side of your headlight, one on the other side of your headlight. And I look, leaning over the window like that, I was up to the window with my nose almost against it because I could only see a, a foot in front of me. And my wife saw it, and I saw it, and we looked, and we saw I said, I'm going to kill him. That's all I said. I'm going to kill him. They were a foot in front of me. But then they bent over like that on my side and on her side, looked inside the window, and waved. <laughs> Forty miles an hour on snow-covered road, drove right to them. Whew. Hallelujah. Our first reaction, I didn't know what to make of it. 12.30 in the morning, one on each side, then the scripture came. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Oh, glory. Oh, hallelujah. That realm is real. It's alive. And we're going to spend eternity in that realm, not a few 120 years in this realm, but eternity. And you see, our spirit wants freedom to express that realm, that love, that nature, that righteousness, that force into this realm through your spirit. Your spirit can have vital contact with that spirit. Praying in tongues will work up that realm of the spirit and tell you, man, you don't know what to do with your faith. You, look for, you, look, you go out looking for a fight with the devil. I mean it. I'll share that with you. I, I'm, I'll share something with you about that realm. And uh, in the healing line, there came a Methodist minister and he brought a 12-year-old boy. Cornelio. And he said, uh, I want to have prayer for him. Brother Summerall said, for what purpose? He said, well, the boy disappears. I said, what? He figured, well, he takes off and runs away from home, you know. And he, he says, nah, no, brother. He says, you don't understand. He said, the boy disappears. He said, you know, like vanish. Brother Summerall said, what? And he says, now, I know that you think this is far-fetched. He says, but there's proof. Enough proof to cause anybody to believe this. And I wouldn't be here if I didn't have that proof. It's authenticated proof that this boy disappears. And so he says, right then, he says, I looked at the boy and I sensed a wrong spirit, evil spirit. He says, so I cast that thing out. And the boy was delivered. But then he says, oh, I want to pursue this matter a little bit further and find out what in the world is going on. What's this boy that disappears? And so he went and talked with the family. And the family says, well, he talked with the boy. The boy says, well, it started way back when I was walking home from school one day. And I was walking home from school one day. He says, I looked over and I saw this little girl about my size. Pretty girl, long flowing hair. He says, and I walked over to her to talk to her. And when I walked over to talk to her, she said, you want to go for a walk with me? And he said, yes. So they started to go for a little bit of a walk. And as they were walking, she leaned over and touched him. And she says, and when he touched, when she touched me, I disappeared. And she disappeared. We became invisible to this physical realm. And we continued to walk. We walked for two days. Day and night without sleep. Wasn't weary. We weren't, weren't weary. 
tire, anything. Then two days later, reappeared or became visible to this realm again and went on doing what he did. And then one time, the parents said they were at the supper table in the dining room. When all of a sudden, all the doors are locked, all the windows are locked, the boy is gone. Disappeared. Then he would reappear. All, all the proof came, he was at school with all the other students sitting there at the class, having school. When all of a sudden, one of the students disappears. Two hours later, pops right back in. The teacher got so upset, they kicked him out of school. Isn't that how the world takes care of problems? Get rid of yeah. Kick the boy out of school. Finally, I mean, there was a lot of people involved in this thing. You can imagine why. Said, never heard of anything like it in my life. Well, so he started to question the boy, and he said, well, well, one time he was playing with his, with his brothers and sisters, you know, in, in, in the living room there, playing. So all of a sudden, he says, Cornelius gone. <laughs> he was just playing there a minute ago, but now he's gone. Two days. They're out looking. They can't find the boy. The doors are all locked. They have a fence outside. It's all, you know, he's 12, only 12. It's all locked up and everything, so the boy can't get out, but he's gone. They find everywhere, they're looking, everywhere. They can't find the boy. He's gone. Two days later, they're still there in their living room, you know, He's day going by. Well, all of a sudden, they hear somebody upstairs. And they holler up, who's up there? And it was Cornelius. He says, I'm going to bed. And he goes to bed. I wouldn't give you all this if I didn't. If I, there's a lot of proof. <laughs> Sounds far-fetched. But if you, can believe that, if you can believe that Philip disappeared, took off, was carried away by the power of God, right? Okay. Well... He began to question the boy and said, uh, well, let me ask you a question. When you, he said she was a beautiful girl with long hair. When you got close to her and you looked up at her, was she really a little girl or was she older looking? And the boy says, nobody ever asked me that. He said, but she was old looking. He said, well, let me ask you another question. Was she, was she, uh, Young in appearance, and did she really look in her facial expression like a girl, or was her whole makeup older, and did she not really look like a girl? And he says, I'm surprised you asked me that. said, actually, she didn't really look like any kind of a girl or a human being. said, the form was there, but, you know, it was just... It didn't look like, it looked like a creature. It looked like a creature. He said, and when she touched me, I became invisible. And then, when she embraced me, I became visible. He also went on to say that I saw this girl many times, all the time, constantly. But I never went over to talk with her, never went over to walk with her. He said, well, let me say something else. He says, that was a demon spirit that was trying to steal your life and trying to put you in hell. He said, did uh, she ever say something about you leaving for good? He said, oh, that's all she talked about. All she talked about was me leaving this realm forever and going to stay with her. And he said, to be honest with you, I thought for sure that I... I thought for sure that I would 
never be able to be parted from her. It felt like as though there was something there that I knew she would be with me forever. Said, but when you, and she wanted, she said to him, I want you to come with me forever. He said, but I never consented that. He said, I would never give her that consent. I consented to walk with her and be with her, but I would never consent to be with her forever. So, he went on to say, but when you prayed for me at that altar, I looked over and she was standing over there by the door. And she was begging me to come. Begging me to come. And to be with her. But when you prayed that prayer, I was free. She was gone. And I knew that Jesus delivered me. And I knew that I'd never see her again. And never once again after that did he ever have that disappearing act. Becoming invisible. Can you imagine that? That lamb is real. Now, like I said, there's all the proof that you want. If you want to authenticate it, it's all authenticated proof. It's all, you can, you can figure it out, find it out. There's some things that we could talk about in this realm. In these foreign countries where, where demon activity is so prevalent. One woman was locked up in a jailhouse and, and being bit all over her body. They thought that she was crazy. She's being bit all over her body, bite marks. She's in there by herself. The doctors at the, at the jailhouse, they're wondering how in the world is she getting all these bites all over her. She's getting bit up and, and, and uh, they finally figured out that it was demons actually biting her in a physical in her physical body. Finally, one doctor says, this can't be. He began to examine her. While he was examining her, this demon started biting up right up her. He saw the bite marks go all the way up her arm. Now, brothers and sisters, that realm is real. The spirit realm is real. As a matter of fact, this is phenomenal. It's so real that when it, one time when it did this to her, he grabbed a hold, she grabbed a hold of this, whatever she called this ugly looking thing. And she actually had a handful of, of hair. They were actually amazed. They saw the hair. And when they analyzed it, they said, this, is, this hair is not human hair. This hair is, is, is not even anything that we know of. It's from another realm. It's from another world. Now, don't let none of that get to you. Don't let none of that bother you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If that world exists, if that world is real, if that world endeavors to come into contact to take people's lives and make them go in car wrecks and, and to express that demon activity through their lives, how much more is the risen Christ and the resurrection power that's available to the believer? How prevalent should it be in our lives and the glory of God radiating from us because Jesus is alive in our hearts? How much more should we be walking over the forces of darkness of this world, destroying them by the power of Jesus' name and his blood? How much more? We are spirit beings. Spirit beings that have access to the spirit world. Access to this world that really exists. But you see, it's not a physical force. It's not a mental force. This boy was delivered. Demon ne this never came back. This demon, this, this... Can you imagine that? In the form of a little girl. At least posing as a little girl. Endeavoring to steal a 12-year-old boy's life and put him in hell. And do you realize if he had consented, that, that life could have been taken? If he had consented to going forever, that life could have been taken. Now, we can go on and on and on and on. But I think that some of these things will let us know that that realm is real. And if we could see angels, as they've seen in God's Word, and if people that are not living for God can see demons, and even people that are...
filled with God's Spirit can see demons through the gift of discerning of spirits. That realm is real. You see, we can cultivate. Our human spirit has access to that particular realm. And we can so develop our human spirits until that realm becomes more real to us than this realm. And we become a living force inside this earth to, to show forth the power of God to this lost and dying generation. Until we hurl back the forces of darkness that are endeavoring to steal people's lives and put them in hell. We are spirit beings. I believe we're getting that across. We are spirit beings. Now, I want to share with you about the human spirit. About how we can keep this human spirit strong and vigorous. How we can build up ourselves on our most holy faith. You see, there's something about the human spirit. Look at 2 Corinthians while I'm saying this. There's something about exercising the human spirit that we need to know as believers. Because if we don't learn this about the, Holy, about the human spirit, you'll be carnal, body ruled. For such a long time, the church has thought that being spiritual was being used in gifts or letting God do something through you. And that was being spiritual. The more God did through you, the more spiritual you were. That's not spirituality. I'm going to show that with you in, in the scriptures. But I want you to see something here in, in 1 Corinthians. Did I say second? I'm sorry, first. Chapter 14. Look at verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. My what? My what? My what? Prayeth. If I pray in a what? In an unknown tongue, my what prayeth? But my understanding, my mental faculties, my reasoning faculties are what? They don't understand it. They don't know anything about it. But if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. He's talking about exercising the human spirit by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has contact with the human spirit. That spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside you, inside your spirit. It has access to your spirit. Your spirit has access to the Holy Spirit. When I pray in the Holy Ghost, I build myself up on my most holy faith. Something happens inside the human spirit when you pray with other tongues. Those that don't believe in other tongues, I don't know how they can live victorious Christian lives. They get on our case for being a little bit, you know, overboard or emotional. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather be a little bit overboard and emotional than not to have anything. And not to uh, let my human spirit be so developed that I can have a holy faith, a strong faith. See, Jude 20 says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. If the forces of the recreated human spirit are developed by faith, and the human spirit has been recreated in righteousness and true holiness, well then my faith, I can build up myself on my most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. If most means most, and I'm sure it does, most holy faith, then when I pray in the Holy Ghost, my spirit responds... By emanating a force called faith in its highest respect. Most holy faith. 
to develop all the other forces that emanate from that spirit in such a way that God's life could actually come into contact with our human bodies. And these things that we're seeing happen right here, they're not fairy tales. These are things that happen in God's Word. A power emanated from Jesus of Nazareth that would knock over a whole army of Roman soldiers. Do you see what that was? That was holy faith emanating those forces out of the Spirit, out of the human spirit in such a way. Now, I'm going to, show, I'm going to share this with you. We're going to have to close here in a minute. But look at 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 5. And I want you to see that being used in spiritual gifts does not make you spiritual. But it's contacting the spirit realm, developing the forces of the spirit until they have access to the mind and make their way to the body. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.5. That in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you become behind in no gift waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus, especially the utterance gifts, speaking with tongues, interpreting tongues, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all the gifts. They come behind in no gift. But look at chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto what? Under what? Say it loud. He can't speak unto them as unto spiritual. In other words, I can't speak unto you as a people that have developed your spirit to take control over your body through the mind. Although you speak with tongues, you misuse the gift. Although you, you, you have the gifts, you misuse the gifts probably. Although you're using gifts, you're not spiritual. But look at what I'm saying. But as unto carnal. In other words, those whose bodies are ruling the spirit through the soul. Although they had spiritual gifts operating in their, in their midst, they were not spiritual. They were carnal. You see, this thing was even missed by the believers that Paul taught. He taught these. He established his church. But they didn't know how to get it from the spirit realm into the natural realm through the Word of God. And consequently, all they did was have their little parties when they got together, hallelujah parties, got together and spoke in other tongues and had an interpretation. Another had a psalm and one had a hymn and one had this and one had that. People came in and thought they were mad. I'll tell you what, God's not found in the emotional realm. You may get excited about it. Now, sometimes I want to jump over this altar bench here and rail, but... I refrain myself because God's not in that realm. It'll get you to moving, but I mean, He's not in that realm. Nothing wrong with doing things before the Lord like that, but what I'm saying is sometimes when we get emotional, we miss God because God's in the Spirit. I remember one time Brother Hagin got off of that prophet's ministry, just clicked right when he was ministering after a couple of hours, and began to see some things in the Spirit. The Spirit of God began to move. People were shouting and, and getting, you know, excited and emotional. That was nothing wrong with it. But then he had to stop and he said, now hold on. You've gone too far. See, he got so emotional on me, he says that we lost the spirit of it. It's gone now. Now let's pray that God will give it back to us. And them all get quiet before God. They all got real silent before God. And when they did, 
That spirit came back on him. Came back on him. And he began to speak out of his spirit. Things of the past. Things of the future. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. And things began to move in the spirit realm. Solve things in the spirit realm. And that prophet's ministry. See, spiritual gifts don't make you spiritual. But being a spiritual person is one who has learned to educate and develop the human spirit. Now, I want to get into that as time goes on. How are we going to do this? But step number one, pray in the Holy Ghost as much as you can. Believers that are spirit-filled have not used tongues like they should. They have not used tongues as they should. They've only used tongues when they felt like it, or they only used tongues when they got a little excited. But they've not used tongues as they should. If praying in the Holy Ghost will build you up on your most holy faith, then every believer should have most holy faith. If they don't, it's because they don't pray in other tongues. It's an act of faith, praying in other tongues. But let's just note this, that when you pray in other tongues, your spirit has vital communion with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's activated. It's vital reality. He is moving in you. You are aware of Him in you. Your mind may be unfruitful. Your body doesn't know what's going on. But your spirit, is something's happening in there. People that don't understand this, they, they reason in their mind. They say, well, who needs this Holy Ghost business and speaking with tongues? Brothers and sisters, go back over there to 14 chapter verse 2. And we'll close with this scripture. I had so much more to share with you. Well, i got one more i got to give you, then we'll close. Verse 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto who? Howbeit no man understandeth him. No man understandeth him, but howbeit in the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the Spirit, he speaketh what? He's speaking divine secrets unto God. One translation says divine secrets. When I pray with other tongues, I'm, I'm speaking divine secrets unto God. That's th that right there in itself should make you want to speak in tongues all day long. Divine secrets unto God. Divine secrets unto God. My spirit is actually doing push-ups. Barbells, lifting the barbells. Aerobics. That's it. You see? It's making vital contact. Something's happening. Something's going on inside me. Something's well, just one up inside. Just want to bubble over and burst. What is it? Oh, it's the life of God being made manifest in me. Just, just emanating, coming out of, my, this pore, out of my pores. You can get to where it's just so heavy on you, you don't know what to do about it. Just stand there and say, hallelujah. That's all. Hallelujah. See, it's getting like that right now, right in here, right in this place. It's the glory of God, the power of God. You start praying in the Holy Ghost. A lot of, see, a lot of spiritual believers, they say, boy, I wish I had some power. Wish God would give me some. The powerhouse is in you. The powerhouse is in me. Activate the powerhouse by praying in tongues. People got on my case about praying in other tongues. All you do is pray in other tongues. All you know, all you, this guy, all he does is pray in other tongues. Why is he always praying in other tongues? He's in the flesh praying in other tongues. Well, he poured out his spirit upon all flesh, including mine. My flesh, your flesh. But praying in the Holy Ghost will do something in your spirit, like lifting barbells and running around the block will do to your body. And the more you do it, the more you activate the power of God within you. And the stronger your spirit becomes. 
And the stronger your faith, building yourself up on your most holy faith. You're built, you're edified. You are charged up. Your battery is ready to charge out. Just, just, just put a charge out. You're ready to go. Now look at Acts chapter 10. Look at this reference to this great man. Wasn't even saved. Got saved. I'll just read this to you. I won't get into it much. We'll close right, right here. If someone were to determine... You know, who's spiritual? Cornelius, Peter, some of these other men, they'd find, out, they'd find out, well, yeah, Cornelius is because he saw an angel. Every time you people talk about this passage of Scripture, yeah, he saw an angel. Wouldn't that be something we saw angels? Yeah, praise God, Cornelius saw an angel. Well, let's, let's read here. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man. Circle that word devout. One that feared God. Circle the word feared. With all his house, which gave much. Circle the words gave much. To the people. Acts 10, chapter 2, or verse 2. Gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Circle the word always. Devout. Feared God. Gave much. Prayed always. Hallelujah. One even saved. Wasn't even saved. Didn't even have the Holy Ghost. Couldn't even pray in tongues. Look on. And when he look next verse, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius saw an angel of God. Hallelujah. Someone just got all excited. But you say someone feared God. They say, oh, well, you know, just another one. But he saw an angel, so that makes him special. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up. For a memorial. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? Didn't say you're seeing something. Didn't say you're getting somebody delivered. Didn't say you're getting this, this prayer. Didn't say this or that. It said your prayers and your giving has come up before God. Now, what's he telling them that for? It has nothing to do with what's going on here. Look, let's read on. As a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and call for... All you want to do is tell them how to get saved. But why did the angel stop and say to Cornelius, Cornelius, your prayers and your giving has come up before God as a memorial? Man, what that man was doing day in and day out was not in vain. What that man was doing, bless God, maybe in behind closed doors, only one knew was about his family. What that man did cause a Holy Ghost revival to come to the Gentile nation, hallelujah. Especially these Italian people over here. <laughs> they thought that, that the Italians originated as Roman Catholics. I got news for you. They was Holy Ghost Rollers. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. They had themselves a ball on this day when the Holy Ghost came on down on them and they just began to shout it out in other tongues. Yeah. Think about it. That's where they got their beginning. That's right. I can just have a picnic right now. How about you? You see, these things are real. But this man, this man was a man that feared God. This man was a man that loved God. This man was a man that gave of his heart. He wasn't spiritual because he saw an angel. He saw an angel because he was spiritual. Did you get that? He saw an angel because he was spiritual. Don't ever think you've arrived because you saw something. Put those things behind you. Put them behind you. Thank God when they come, but keep on developing your human spirit. 
Hallelujah. Let's all stand before the Lord. We've got so much to do in here, but praise God. We'll continue sometime. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.